Talk Radio 96.7 now boldly goes straight into the Ozone. The Ozone with Ronnie O and Coach Joe. Brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors of Lakeland. Let's do it, Ronnie O. All right, Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone. We are taking names and kicking posteriors. Give us a call, 682-1430. That's 682-1430. If you're technologically inclined, you can reach us at ozone at hallradio.net. That's ozone at hallradio.net. Before we get started on the sports, I just want to remind everybody, Tuesday is the 79th anniversary of the invasion of D-Day. And uh, there's 9,387 Americans buried there that put their lives, that lost their lives for our freedoms. And uh, they were average age of 23. So let's don't forget that on Tuesday. Coach Joe, some good stuff happening. Gators win the national championship in golf. Coach J.C. Deacon and Fred Bionde, um, man, I tell you what, what an exciting match they had with Florida State. And then looked like they were going to lose to Georgia Tech, but they came through. First national title since 2001, uh, the fifth overall in golf, men's golf. And, it, you know, the, since they switched to the match play format to determine the team championship, uh, which the SEC also adopted and the Gators won that a couple of weeks ago, it's been incredibly interesting and exciting to watch the NCAA championships. Under the straight stroke play format, it, it actually was kind of dull, to be honest. You know, uh, there wasn't a lot of drama. There was nothing but drama, especially in that finals championship match against Georgia Tech last night. If you had a chance to watch it on the Golf Channel, you were in for a treat. Uh, Yuxan Lin won his match fairly easily to give the Gators a one nothing lead in the best of five. Uh, the other four matches all went to the 18th hole, and in fact, the match involving Matthew Kress went 20 holes. Now, he actually was the one who lost, but the fact that he kept his match alive turned the momentum completely. He got a terrible break on the 16th hole when his opponent, was, uh, who's hit a terrible shot, was on its way into the, into the uh, woods or the desert, as it were, because they were playing out in Arizona. And it hit the flagstick and ended up a foot from the cup, and he, he was down two, two down with two to play in match play. He rallied to tie it, including an incredible approach shot in the 18th hole to a foot to uh, get the tying birdie, eventually losing in 20 holes. But by then, the Gators had turned the momentum completely and turned— it was it was a match it was a match that could go either way, and the Gators ended up winning um, four out of the five matches. Technically, three out of the four, as the last match uh, with Ricky Castillo was uh, still on the 18th hole, but he was ahead. And uh, once uh, Biondi won his match, that clinched it for the Gators, and so they didn't finish the last match. And uh, incredibly excitement! Congratulations to the Gators. Yes, Fred Biondi became the first Gator golfer ever to win the SEC, the NCAA medalist and the team title. The Gators won in 68, 73, 93, 2001, and 2023. Of course, we've had Bob Murphy on, who uh, was the medalist in 1966. We've had Andy Bean on, who was part of that 73 national championship. And I saw something one time that said 1968 was the first national championship by any major college team in the state of Florida. Uh, that's probably true, you know. They, they probably, but uh, you know, the Gators that began a tradition for the Gators. Uh, since two thousand and eight, uh, the Gators have won a national championship in something every year uh, since oh eight, uh, as except for the COVID years when when a lot of stuff got canceled. Yeah, I just read a great story that said that Buster Bishop, 
who was the Gators' longtime golf coach back then in 68. They beat Houston, which has been a power in NCAA golf. They won something like 16 national championships, but the Gators beat them by a stroke in 1968. Buster Bishop called then-athletic director Ray Graves and said, Ray, coach, 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 said, we won the national championship. He said, in what? (laughs) Of course, he was an old football coach, and, you know, he probably didn't even know they were playing back then. Well, uh, well, you know, when I was uh, at the University of Florida, I I played that golf course there a lot. It's still a great course, and and the fifth hole was probably one of the most difficult holes because it went went right along the line where the street is, 34th Street, where the wall is. In fact, the wall butts up against the green on the fifth hole. And there's a big plaque there for Buster Bishop, and I always noticed that. And, you know, that was since the 80s. But he was, you know, Buster Bishop was a legend. Yeah, he was, no doubt about it. Well, um, we'll talk more about this, but the SEC has voted to go with the eight-game schedule, at least temporarily. I think there's a lot of stuff there. We'll talk about that later. But we've got a great guest coming up. Why don't you introduce her real quickly before we go to break? Well, if if you're from South Florida, like – I am, and like Alex, or, well, Alex is actually not from South Florida, but, but Dr. Michaeline and I are from South Florida, and it's just an exciting time with the, the Heat and the Panthers both making a run uh, to titles, hopefully, uh, and it starts tonight with the Heat. And so we, we've got somebody who's a, a big-time uh, knowledge and follower of South Florida sports. She has a show down in South Florida uh, called Bad Calls, Balls, and Brawls, and uh, she's known as uh, the 305 Sports Babe, and she's going to fill us in on all the things going on down there, and it's amazing. All uh, right. She'll be our guest tonight. Can't wait. All right, you're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone on Talk 96.7 WLKF. This is Wayne Candy, former Haines City Hornet, Auburn Tiger, and 15-year NFL vet. You're listening to the Ronnie O and Coach Joe. In the ozone. Ozone. Oh, yeah. Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors. They turn scrap metal into cash. Well, you know, I, I love all the teams in the area, of course, but uh, I'm from South Florida, and the Dolphins, the Heat, and the Panthers, and the Marlins, they hold a special place in my heart, and I'll never stop rooting for them. And so it is a wonderful time to be a fan of of the Heat and the Panthers, and the other teams as well, but especially the Heat and the Panthers. The Heat tonight play in Game 1 of the NBA Finals against Denver after a thrilling seven-game victory over the Boston Celtics. And we, you know, I'm having to live uh, up here now, which is great, but uh, I do miss the vibe that must be going on in South Florida. So we needed somebody to talk to about what's happening in South Florida. And and some person, one person would really know uh, is... Uh, a, a terrific, a terrific fan of South, South Florida sports and very knowledgeable about them has their own show called Bad Calls, Balls, and Brawls, and uh, has uh, the real inside knowledge of what's going on in South Florida. And she's joining us here in the Ozone tonight. Welcome to Ashley, the 305 Sports Babe. Uh, Ashley Coach Joe here. Th- welcome to the show. I really appreciate you joining us tonight, especially because game one starts in about 15 minutes. Oh, no, it's an honor to be with you guys tonight. It's been such a fairy tale ever since really March Madness with, you know, the Canes and FAU, you know, making it to the final four. So I can't tell you I've left my couch much, uh, especially with these away games, but it's an honor to be able to uh, hang out with you guys tonight for a little bit before the game. 
Well, we're up here in South or Central Florida, excuse me, and it's very, very strong gator uh, passion here. And so I got to ask you right off the top about, uh, you know, three titles uh, for the Heat. Uh, This is their seventh Eastern Conference title since 2006, which is the most in the NBA during that time period. And you posted it today, a picture of you with Udonis Haslam, who's somewhat of of a god up here. He's an icon for sure. Uh, yeah, he's been the one constant other uh, on the floor for the Gators during during that run. Uh, excuse me for the Heat during that run. And- yeah, no, UD is very special to us. You know, he's been around pretty much. You know, I don't want to say from the beginning, but from the beginning, he's a hometown guy from Miami, and we love him. And it's so unreal to think that you know this will be his last season. You know, playing for the Heat. A lot of us think he's going to stay with the organization in some type of role management coaching. Um, but it's just it, it hasn't really hit us yet per se that he will not put on you know the jersey and, and be on the team anymore. So we're really hoping to you know not only win the championship for for us but but for him to really have him go out that way. It would mean the world to to us as an organization and for him. He's just everything to us. So when did you have this picture with him? So I took that picture. I think it was around January, February. Uh, the Miami Heat they do a great job taking care of their season ticket holders. They have fantastic events throughout the year. Everything from a casino night to member appreciation, and Udonis has them. You know, he's got a lot of them, and that one um, in particular, he was uh, taking pictures with. It. We look like we're best friends with the picture. I want to tell you, I've been best friends with the man for 20 years. But uh, that yeah, you're, you're going to get him on the show for us, right? <laughs> uh, let's see what I can do. <laughs> we're a little busy these days. You know, we have some championships to, to win. But yeah, he's just, I mean, just such a nice guy on and off the court. And we ended up seeing him. Um, a few weeks later, we went to the Knicks first heat game at the Garden in New York, and uh, he recognized us. And just just a down to earth, nice man, and just means so much to the organization. And uh, I hope that he does get a little play in time. Obviously, you know the score would have to be. I'm going to say we'd have to be up by a lot for it to happen. But at least for him to come in just for a minute or two, would it's uh, it would it would be it would be big to at least you know the you up again and shout him out. <laughs> that would be terrific. You know, you know the '06 title team, the Heat's first. One of my favorite teams in any sport of all time is Dwayne Wade, obviously one of my favorite basketball players ever, and, and they talk about him and Shaq a lot on that team. But Udonis and Jason Williams, uh, another Gator. Uh, I saw he was in the stands for Game 6 the other night. Uh, White Chocolate, he, he's another person we're especially proud of here. Uh, so it's a, a great connection between the Gators and the Heat. Um, and uh, uh, Mike Miller, obviously a big part of the 2012 team. Uh, it, did you were you at Game Six on Saturday last week? Oh, you're gonna break my heart again. Let I, I me have tell to you. bring it up, Ashley. I mean, I'm sorry, but it was hard for me too. It's hard for me to even think about that game, but but I wanted to ask you about it. Yeah, no, we were at Game Six. Uh, you know, now looking back, that shot, that last second shot means nothing. But you could ask me anything you want about that Game Six. It, it's still, I don't want to say it still hurts, but it's a forever memory in, in my head. Yeah. But yes, we were at Game Six. <laughs> if we hadn't won Game Seven, I wouldn't even be able to talk about it. I probably wouldn't even be able to be here if we hadn't won Game Seven. Yeah, yeah. Ron, Ronnie and <laughs> I talk true. about painful losses. What's the worst kind of loss? That might have been as bad a loss as I've ever seen as a Heat fan, and it was really tough to deal with. Yeah, I can tell you. You know, I've been a Miami sports fan pretty much all my life. I'm born and raised in New Jersey. I spent a good amount of my life in Central Florida, so I do have a special place in my heart for Central Florida, but. I've been to hundreds of sporting games. Uh, I'm a big Dolphins fan, too, diehard Dolphins fan. That loss, Game 6, I can honestly tell you guys, it was one of the most painful losses, just how it, at, at the moment, right? I mean, 
you know, now we look back at it, but at the moment it was truly a dagger. Jimmy Butler made the three free throws and we thought we had it in the bag. And then it just, everything was like slow motion, but fast motion at the same time. And just leaving the Kaseya center, it was just terrible. And we, you know, we knew we had a game seven coming up, but it really gassed a lot of us. And those, those few days that Saturday, Sunday, you know, I can't tell you Memorial day, uh, you know, it was it was a holiday weekend and everything, but it was it was tough. It was just really hard to just comprehend it all, and we really wanted to win at home. I, you remember last year, Game Seven, the Celtics beat us here for the Eastern Conference um, Championship, and that was still I don't want to say fresh in our mind, but it was something that we still remembered. So to have a big loss, Game Six at home again, was just it was tough, but. You know, all is well that ends well. So they're watching the game from home or Cancun. And, you know, here we are, game one tonight. <laughs> Ash, Ashley, Ronnie Ocean here. Thank you again for being on with us tonight. Um, how can people get um, your content that you put out? Yeah, definitely. So my big thing is I'm on Twitter, uh, 305 Sports Babe. Um, we also have 305 Sports Travel. My partner and I, we're uh, working with um, Dolphin Heat panther away game so we actually hope to next season come up and visit you guys for a heat versus uh, magic you know hopefully a, a sunshine uh rivalry bring that back um a game coming up there but yeah on twitter 305 sports babe um my show is on youtube bad calls balls and brawls we cover all south florida sports heavy with the dolphins the panthers and the marlins and the heat um but it's, it's been such a wild ride pretty much since since march with fau and you know um and here we are in, in june watching the panthers and the heat it's wild how improbable is it that two eight seeds make the finals from the same city it's crazy and you even go back to like the panthers people forgot they beat the bruins to even be in this spot and the bruins had the best regular season you know record and the Heat, yes, we had our playing games, but first round, we played Giannis and the Bucks. So it's not like, you know, this has been an easy journey. We beat powerhouses. So just to, you know, look at our journey as a whole, it's been a wild run. And um, I'm not saying it wouldn't be as appreciative if we weren't in the championship, but it, it's full circle now. So it's just a great time to be down here. So Miami beating up on Boston, both sports, huh? I'm telling you, but that doesn't mean we sacrifice the Dolphins football season for it. We're still, we want, you know, we still want the Dolphins to take care of the Patriots in September at Gillette. So we're hoping for the whole, uh, you know, the whole trinity of that. I, I got to so. ask you a Dolphins question, Ashley, because this has popped up in the last couple hours. It looks like the Vikings are going to trade former FSU Dalvin standout Cook. Dalvin Cook to the Dolphins. Uh, you, you think that's going to happen? And is that something that uh, is good for the Dolphins? You know, that, that is on our radar right now. People are saying, you know, possibility of Dalvin Cook coming down here. He's been spotted down here. The thing is, he has a house down here, too. So that's, that's one thing, like, people forget. You know, it's still South Florida, and a lot of athletes and people as a whole have houses down here. So as soon as there's a celebrity sighting, they think, you know, oh, my goodness, they're coming down. Dalvin Cook would be great with us. Um, you know, Coach McDaniel has done, he's only been with us, you know, a season. And he's, the amount of talent that he's brought into our team. I mean, obviously, Tyree Kill was the big signing, but... This man in our organization as a whole knows what he's doing. And, I mean, being a Dolphins fan, we go into every season thinking this is our year. But in addition to Dalvin Cook, would be fantastic. The, the positions that we are worried about, you know, it's our, our offensive line. We have to keep it strong to keep Tua healthy as much as possible. Um, so that would be a position, an area where, you know, us Dolphins fans think every year, what's the best possibility to keep, you know, Tua as healthy as possible? But, you know, with Tyreek and Jalen Waddle and um, – Jalen Ramsey's another addition. We're we're really excited going into this this uh, you know Dolphin season. But you look at the AFC East as a whole, 
Aaron Rodgers with the Jets. That's a crazy, you know, we obviously no one really knows how that's going to go. And then, and then the Bills, you know, they're stacked as well. So AFC is the powerhouse this year, and unfortunately, or fortunately, we're there, and we'll see how it all pans out. Yeah, that's that's for sure. Now, got to ask you about the Panthers. Uh, you were talking about how they beat Boston. That was, you know, in terms of upsets, it wasn't just an eight over one. That happens from time to time. But that Boston team was really good. Uh, set a record in the regular season for points and for wins, and they were extremely strong. And it, it, it seemed like I watched every one of those games, and it seemed like Boston was overwhelming the Panthers, and then you'd look up and somehow the Panthers had pulled the game out. I don't know how they did it. How did they do it, Ashley? Maybe you know. <laughs> You're down there, too. How the heck did they beat Boston to get on the road to the finals? Uh, the key word here is overtimes. We seem to thrive in overtimes. Uh, not necessarily those, you know, three three period overtimes, but for some reason we just thrive in overtimes. And you know, it's like it's like we we get excited, and that's when we play our best hockey. So, and even with all the series, the series against the Maple Leafs, and then obviously Carolina Hurricanes, it's it's been these overtimes. And our goalie Bob, he's just something else. And you got to remember, our coach this is his first year coaching with the Panthers. So it's just been. It's wild. I wish I could tell you what happened. It's all like a fairy tale to us, but we're just an over overtime uh, team, and we just thrive under pressure, and it's it's worked to our advantage. And Vegas is going to be tough. I mean, we we know Vegas is going to be a, a it's going to be very very tough, but we have high hopes, and uh, we're ready to bring the cup here and uh, finish it out. Ashley, wanted to ask you about the Miami Hurricanes. Um, Mario Cristobal had a season that. Uh, wasn't wasn't up to par, not what they were expecting last year out of a guy that is a tremendous recruiter and played for the Hurricanes. And uh, how much money would people have lost if they had said, I bet Miami will not have won an ACC championship to this point? I mean, you know, it, it, it's tough with him, right? It's his first year being down here. He is from South Florida, so, you know, he, he's a local guy. But it takes a while for, you know, the players to develop with the coach. So I don't want to say Rome was built in one day, but we didn't have extremely high hopes first year with him. But we do we do have a lot of uh, trust in the process, and we think that, you know, year two, year three, it's going to develop and flourish. And he's bringing in a lot of talent down here too. So, you know, we, we sure hope that, you know, it all flourishes and works out. But I don't want to say it was a disappointment first year, but we're going we're gonna to trust the process and, and uh, see how it goes. So, Ashley, uh, tell us about your show. Tell, yeah, so my show, Bad Calls, Balls and Brawls, my co-host, Lou, we cover, you know, all South Florida sports. And uh, our big thing is, you know, during football season, heavy with the Dolphins. We've had former Dolphin players, Richmond Webb, O.J. McDuffie on the show. We've had South Florida reporters down here. And uh, just, you know, really covering everything, any breaking news with the sports and um, obviously all the, the trials and tribulations of being a South Florida sports fan. You know, we talk now, it's all fun with the Heat and the Panthers, but in the day, we're still Marlins fans. We've had our ups and downs with them. We are hopeful. And uh, um, now we just cover everything uh, South Florida sports related down here. How often does the show come on to, and it's on YouTube? Yeah, it's on YouTube. Uh, usually once a week. We've been on a hiatus for the last two weeks because, obviously, we've had games every night, you know, being South Florida sports fans. <laughs> but it's on YouTube. Uh, you'd find me, Bad Calls, Walls, and Brawls, or 305 Sports Team. And on Twitter, you have a presence as well. Uh, I do, yes. You guys can find me on Twitter, 305 Sports Babe, sports with an S, sports babe. 
305 Sports Babe. Uh, Ashley, uh, wow, it's just tremendous to talk to you. It's, we, we really are appreciative to get some, some South Florida sports uh, information up here. You know, we don't, it's, it's hard to get sometimes. So you'd be surprised. And uh, uh, I'm living vicariously through you right now. So. <laughs> I am honored. I, no, it, it is just, like I said, I keep telling people fairy tale. It is just out of this world. All our local sporting shops are we're out of championship merchandise. And it's just the vibe and the energy down here. It's just so exciting. And, you know, people say, oh, Florida's not a, a hockey uh, state. They're completely wrong. Look at your lighting. You're lighting armies. You know, we're really putting our name on the map and, you know, the respect for the heat, you know, and they still, they say 3%, 1%, and we're just setting out the odds. That's why, you know, when they tell us, oh, the heat have no shot against the, Dun- the Denver Nuggets, we don't believe it. Look how much we've overcame so far. So, it has been a wild ride, and we look forward to the next two, three weeks. And, uh, you know, hopefully you guys can come down for some of these championship parades. We'd love to have you. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, we <laughs> might be in touch with you about that. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we, we really appreciate you joining us on the show. We're going to let you go because we know the game's about to start. And uh, uh, but, but thanks for joining us, Ashley. And uh, hope we get a chance to talk to you again soon. My pleasure. Anytime, guys. It's been an honor, and let's go Heat. Let's go Panthers. <laughs> yeah, go Heat, go Panthers. Thanks, Ashley. Really Thank appreciate you. it. All right, Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone. We're going to take a break for Kim Commando. We'll be back after that. Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. Time to jump right back into the Ozone. Head first. Ooh. The Ozone with Ronnie O and Coach Joe. Brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors, turning scrap metal into cash. All right, Ronnie O and Coach Joe back in the Ozone, 682-1430. That's 682-1430. On this date in sports, back in 1917, Hank Gowdy, Boston Braves first baseman, enlisted in the military. He was the only major league player to fight in World War I and World War II. In 1925, Future New York Yankees Hall of Famer Lou Gehrig pinch hits for the renowned shortstop Pee Wee Waninge in a 5-3 loss to Washington. That was the start of his 2,130-game streak. In this gate in 1939, the first boxing match on television, Coach Joe, was the heavyweight champion Max Baer lost to Lou Nova by TKO in the 11th round. And, of course, Max Baer... His son, Max Bear Jr., was Jethro on the Beverly Hillbillies. He, Max Bear Jr. was big. So yeah, he was. So how big was. his dad must have been. Yeah. And the first night game to be televised on television took place at Shibe Park in Philadelphia. The Phillies lost 5-2 to the Pittsburgh Pirates. In 1941, Hall of Fame outfielder Mel Ott hit his 400th home run, and he would go on to hit 111 more home runs. End with a 304 batting average and was won the 1933 World Series six-time home run leader in the National League. Coach Joe, um, we mentioned about that the SEC voted today to stay with an eight-game SEC schedule for football, at least temporarily, this year. Uh, I think there's a lot of things to consider here. I think one, I think one of the main concerns is they were trying to get ESPN to agree to give them more money if they played nine conference games, to give them more good games. And I think ESPN's pretty cash-strapped. They've got a lot of layoffs coming up. And then I also think that the lower-tier teams, 
they want those four games to be able to put some cupcakes on there to get to six to get to the bowl games. And I'm not sure that the ESPN money hadn't topped out with all the layoffs they got coming up. Yeah, well, they certainly didn't have more lying around in their couch like Eric does, you know, just to yeah. pull out a couple couple extra million per team or anything like that. Uh, so you know, there have been a lot of momentum as these meetings approached towards not ch- making any changes for this year, uh, incorporating or for 2024 in, in effect. So obviously this year schedule, the 2023 schedule is all set. So we're, we're talking about is 2024 is going to continue to have an eight-game conference schedule, uh, part of which is because they already had contracts with some non-conference uh, teams, and there was that. There was the reasons that you mentioned. Uh, and also, I think you're absolutely right. If And this is a reason why there might not be more expansion. We talked about this a little bit. Are there going to be ACC teams? How big you want to make the SEC? I, I think it's not going to get much bigger because – the TV money isn't going to get a lot bigger right now unless something changes radically. Streaming hasn't proven to be as lucrative as everybody thought it would be. And, and frankly, the technology in streaming can be hit or miss. You know, uh, If you're watching on cable, you're going to get a lot better quality than when you're watching on streaming. And you can't jump back and forth as easily. No, it's very difficult to do that. It's, it's, it's almost impossible. Now, the good thing about streaming is it allows for basically uh, infinite amount of content. <laughs> Every game that possibly could be on could be on. Did but, you see the Peacock Network, Network is going to have Michigan State, Washington, and that's the only place you can see it next year? That's that, a pretty big game. Yeah, you know, that's that's the interesting part is that you're seeing uh, like a slow, a slow boil, a slow little drip where uh, you take a game here and put it exclusively on uh, on streaming, a game here, a game there, and before you know it, uh, all the big games are are streaming. You know, we talked about the NBA Finals coming up. They're on ABC, but the NHL is TNT only, and the playoffs, the conference finals were e, uh, for basketball were ESPN in the West and TNT in the East. In other words, there's no more free TV for sports anymore. It's <laughs> it's except for the NFL and even the NFL. What are they oh, doing yeah. now? They yeah. brought in Prime Video. Yeah. You got this slow drip. And Ronnie, if we're still around five, ten years from now, there's not going to be anything on a regular over-the-air TV anymore. Well, but you wonder about you know the contracts. They've got to keep some of it there at least till the contracts expire. But and also, if you're ESPN, you know obviously that's lucrative for the Big Ten. But if you're if you've got the contract for the Big Ten, you're saying, wait a minute, you're taking some prime games just to get more revenue. You know, you you pushed us to the wall to give you as much revenue as we could give you, and now you're taking away some prime games. At some point, there's got to be some pushback there um, from the networks. Well, it's like you said, they're they're getting a, the money isn't unending. It's not infinite uh, amount of money. And, uh, you know, now is the time to expand to get as much as you can now because, you know, 10, 12 years from now when the ACC contract is up, there might not be that big money that's there now uh, because of the things we're saying. With all this content, uh, the revenue isn't keeping up, you know, and if the revenue's not keeping up, like you said, the networks aren't going to bid as much or they're going to learn to live without it if they're not getting the big games anyway. I I mean— it all, look, think about all the things that are changing. Uh, that What do we have now? For example, college football and pro football are now putting games on the Black Friday day after Thanksgiving. 
They never used to do that, right? Uh, the Thursday night games are now a staple. Now, what are they going to do with the Thursday night schedule? Flex it. A network might actually have their prime matchup taken away from them to put on prime video uh, in the second half of the season. That's going to be done as long as you give uh, you know enough weeks notice for at least for the fans to adjust. And, you know, thanks a lot for that. <laughs> well, just like Florida and Utah, you know that game yeah, was scheduled yeah, for Saturday exactly night. Exactly like that. And now it's going to be on Thursday night. Thursday so night. What about people that booked their flights to go in Friday, stay until Sunday, and leave? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go to that game, but fortunately, you know, I, I saw that coming in time. And so we're going to go out earlier and we're going to be there for the game. But that could really mess some people up. You know, we've seen some of this in the past with the way fans are treated, uh, but they, they had at least come up with um, a routine that was, they'd let you know which network, two weeks in advance, they'd let you know which network was covering the game and yeah. what time it would be. So do we have to go in the Gainesville, to Gainesville early in the morning or at night? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, and, and, but it, people got to understand, you know, when you go to a game from, like, say, from here, where we are, to Gainesville, can either make it a nice day trip or, but if it's a night game, you don't want to be driving back at one or two in the morning. You might yeah. need a hotel. And the Gators' first four games are all at night. Oh, yeah. Well, it's because it's so darn hot. Well, <laughs> so it, well and one of them, one of them is only streaming, only on ESPN yeah. Plus. I think it's against Charlotte. Yeah. You see, you see what's happening? That last year, that didn't happen. There was streaming available, but only for games that, that you before you couldn't get anyway. But now, look, more and more of this, it's creeping in. And we're, uh, you know, my response has been to subscribe to all these things. So I'm probably, you know, the, you know, the, I'm like their dream kind of customer. I've got so darn many subscriptions, I can't keep track of them anymore. <laughs> but I'm going to have to figure that out, too. And it, it, they're, they're coming to the point where they're trying to get bigger and bigger, take more and more money. And I think the SEC, if they think ESPN has more money and we're going to hold out that extra game and look at us... It's not going to work in the long term. The eight-game schedule is not going to work in the long term. It's a bad idea because of the rivalries, the thing that makes the SEC the SEC, the matchups, and but more importantly, the rivalries. If if the Gators have a random schedule, it is not. It's we still love the Gators. We still root for them, but it is not the same. That passion is built off that tradition, and that cannot be set aside for a few extra bucks. You just can't do that. We well, you know, I heard another perspective on that, and. I think it may be true. They said, all right, say Florida LSU goes away. I mean, the fans lose a great trip every other year. Florida Vanderbilt goes away. You lose the Nashville trip every other year. But what if they replace that with a Texas or an Oklahoma or whatever and you start a rivalry with them? Then, I mean, like we didn't used to play Tennessee all the time. We used to play Auburn all the time every year. And then, you know, what a rivalry we had with Tennessee. Of course, both teams were really great back then. And not so much anymore all the time. But, you know, I think there's some validity to that. But what you're saying is true, too, that you've got to maintain a certain amount of tradition. Well, you know, you're right that the rivalries have evolved over time. And we had to learn to live without the Auburn rivalry, which when you and I were beginning to follow the Gators and growing up and throughout our life, that was a huge game every year. And yeah. it mattered. And, and that was an incredible rivalry. But we had to learn to live without it in the era of expansion. 
But now what you're talking about with an eight-game schedule is only one permanent rival. It's going to be Georgia with us. So does that mean Georgia's going to lose Auburn, which yeah. is a, a huge rivalry for them? Tennessee. Tennessee Tennessee's going to have Alabama, so so Tennessee's going to lose their other rivalries. Auburn's, but Auburn's going to have Alabama. Auburn won't have Georgia anymore. Auburn won't have LSU automatically anymore. These are the games— that uh, make or that are the classics that make the memories that that we cherish every year. You're still going to have good matchups, and it's going to be exciting competition. But it's going to be more random every year. You know, you might have uh, as and and you could go. You know, you know, you're not going to see. We're not going to see Tennessee every year. We're not going to see LSU every year. We're not going to see Auburn every year, and they're going to be replaced with whoever in the rotation, which isn't. It, it, Look, maybe maybe for young people who don't know any better, they can learn to live with that. But <laughs> we're we're at the stage of our lives where where you know uh, taking something like that away and just casting it aside doesn't make college football better. Doesn't make the SEC better. And, and they, you know, I think Greg Sankey understands that, and I think he'll prevent the permanent eight game schedule. But it's a temporary stopgap. They can still do that and preserve the rivalries for at least one year and then work from there. Yeah, they've got to go to nine games at some point. But, you know, the lower-tier teams are driving this stuff, and they're taking all that money from TV. Oh, sure, yeah. And then, But they're saying, we want more, 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 more. We still want to go to a bowl game. Yeah. Well, the bowl games aren't always cost-effective. I well, mean, no, if you go no. to a podunk bowl game and you take your band and you take a whole bunch of fans, you might even lose money. Well, most bowl games, uh, it's gotten to the point where, you know, let's say about half the bowl games, it you know, teams the teams themselves don't even want to be there, and they're they're yeah. usually awful games. Yeah, uh, we've seen that with the Gators a and couple again, of times. TV, now. if you're TV, aren't you going back and saying, okay, you want more and more money from us, but you're going to give us Florida Sands four or five of their worst, their best players not playing, mm-hmm. or whomever it might be. I mean, it's a pretty much across the board. Alabama didn't have that. but And then Nick Saban, he's kind of vacillated on this. He used to be a nine-game schedule guy. And then I think when he found out that his three permanent teams were going to be Auburn, LSU, and um, I'm trying to remember who the other one was, um, maybe Tennessee, he didn't like that. So Well, definitely Tennessee would be one yeah. of the permanent ones if it yeah. was. But the other thing, the other rivalries you lose would be uh, Oklahoma – and Texas, either they play each other every year, and then Texas doesn't play Texas A&M every year. And that's got to be. That's got to happen. Know, and you can't have that. You no, just, you, you can't. Just, you just can't. You can't. And, and uh, you know, it would be like the Dolphins not playing the Patriots every year. <laughs> Come on. It's, uh, you know, you could have a random schedule like that, but what good is that? What, what, I agree. Um, some news that just came out is former Dodgers and Padres first baseman Steve Garvey is considering running for the open Senate seat in California as a Republican. Senator Garvey. <laughs> and he actually came into studio and co-hosted with me many years ago. All right, you're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. Hello, I'm Sam Silas, former U.A. star and NFL pro bowler. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone. Ronnie Owen, Coach Joe in the Ozone. Talk Radio 96.7. Talking sports with Ronnie Owen, Coach Joe, brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors. All right, Ronnie Owen, Coach Joe in the Ozone. What, Coach Joe, do you hear it? 
I hear those stomachs growling. That's what that is. The dialing fingers are getting ready. there was some thunder outside. Oh, yeah. No, no. I think the people are hungry and thirsty. And as we are wont to do here in the ozone, we are curing hunger one person at a time. So here you go. Here comes that sports quiz. You can go out to Miller's Lakeland Ale House, and you can eat and drink what you want and take $30 off your tab. How about that? If you know the answer. The number is 682-1430. That's 682-1430. And, of course, you cannot have won in the last six months. And we have a list now. So the Clarkster has you ready. A buzzer will go off. You will be electrocuted if you try to win and it hadn't been six months. So here's the sports quiz. We just talked about Steve Garvey. What two California teams did Steve Garvey go to the World Series with? 682-1430, that's 682-1430. You only have to name one of them. How about that? We'll make it that easy. That's a deal. He went to the World Series with two California teams, and there you go, 682-1430. And, of course, you get to go out to Miller's Lakeland Ale House, located at 5650 South Florida Avenue, over 40 strategically located (laughs) television sets. You can watch your favorite sporting event there anywhere you'd like, and – Drinking meal specials every night of the week. Ah, what a, what a treat to go there. And uh, this is a great time of year to go there. You know, uh, we talked about the Gators winning the men's golf national title last night. Uh, this weekend, they are the number two-seeded uh, t- team in the nation in baseball, and they start their regional uh, in Gainesville this weekend. So that's the, you, know, you want to be checking that out as well. And uh, the basketball and hockey Finals are going to be going on, and uh, the Rays continue to to do very well. They are the first team in Major League Baseball to reach 40 wins this season as they beat the Cubs yesterday. Uh, so a lot to watch in those 40 strategically located TVs, and they'll make sure the right channel's on for you. All you got to do is, is ask. So, so Ronnie, we had a, a lot of fun tonight, but uh, one unfortunate uh, note is that uh, the health of Patrick Young, the great Gators yeah. player on their last Final Four team, as many of you know, he was uh, severely injured in an auto accident last year that left him paralyzed, but he kept his spirits up and he soon returned to work, uh, but he is, his health has gone bad. He's got a bad infection, and, um, and the word is that he's very sick, so we, we send out our best healing vibes to Patrick Young, who uh, was a great, great player for the Gators and uh, really a terrific guy and a great analyst. Great too. attitude, yeah, great attitude. On this date in 1987, Cleveland Indians pitcher Phil Necro won a game which put he and Brother Joe as the winningest combination of brothers in Major League Baseball history, surpassing the Lord, the Gaylord Perry and Jim Perry. Oh, yeah, they were good. And the, the Dean brothers, right? They were. Did they have a good record? Uh, I don't think they had that many. Dizzy and Daffy? Yeah, Dizzy was – nobody else close to these two guys. Okay. And on this date in 1995 – I guess the Maddox, Maddox brothers were the same way, too. Right? <laughs> Texas Rangers pitcher Kenny Rogers from Plant City he had his scoreless inning streak broken at 39 in a 6-3 win over the Minnesota Twins. So – 682-1430, give us a call, and you can be going out to Miller's Lakeland Ale House and eating $30 worth on us. How about that? you, you got to give us a call, 682-1430. All we want to know is which, just name one of the California teams 
one of the California National League teams. How about that? <laughs> they were both in the National League. Yeah. <laughs> Did Steve Garvey take to the World Series? 682-1430. I know there's some hungry and thirsty people out there. There's got to be. Coach Joe, on this date in 1965, Curly Lambeau, you might have heard of Lambeau Field, is named after him. He was an All-American halfback, and the first coach and founder of the Green Bay Packers died at age 67. Rube Marquard, a baseball Hall of Famer, passed away on this date in 1980 at 93. And on this date... George Mikan passed away, a five-time NBA and whatever the predecessor of the NBA champion was, one of the all-time greats, played for the Minneapolis Lakers. I don't think he made it to the Los Angeles Lakers. but um, And on this date in 2017, you'll know this, Robert DiVincenzo, who almost <laughs> got to go to a playoff in the Masters, but he signed an incorrect scorecard. His playing partner was a guy named Tommy Aaron, former Florida Gator who was born in Gainesville, Georgia, and played in Gainesville, Florida for the Florida Gators, gave him a four when he actually had a three on the 17th. And so he didn't get to go to the playoff, and Bob Golby won outright. Tommy Aaron went on to win the 1973 Masters. That's right. He sure did. Sure did. He probably kept careful track of his scorecard. <laughs> I'm sure he You know, nowadays did. they have the scorer's tent the players go into, and they have the computer, and they check everything. Back then, there was a little table set up behind the green. And yeah. It was like, you know, a little patio table, and they signed their cards real quickly. Nobody paid attention to that until that horrific mistake. <laughs> Give us a call, 682-1430. All you got to do is tell us which National League team, there's two of them, you only have to give us one, did Steve Garvey take to the World Series. There's two teams, both in the National League, National League West. Give us a call, (laughs) 682-1430. How hard is that? They're big rivals. So give us a call. In 1931, Hal Smith was born. Now, for those of you who don't know who he was, Bill Mazeroski robbed him of immortality in the 1960 World Series. The Pirates were trailing the Yankees 7-6. Hal Smith hit a three-run homer to put the Pirates up 9-7. The Yankees tied it up, and a guy named Bill Mazeroski hit the most historic home run maybe in baseball history, (laughs) certainly one of them, in the ninth inning, and the Pirates beat the Yankees in that seventh game in old Forbes Field. Now, we're going to hang around for just a minute. We don't have much time left in the show. 682-1430 is the number to call. And all you got to do is tell us which of two National League West teams did Steve Garvey take to the World Series. And he may be running for the Senate in California, 682-1430, 682-1430. It wasn't the Giants. How about that? So, I mean, that's really narrowing it down, okay? So next week we're going to have Van Green, former Auburndale Bloodhound and former Buffalo Bill and Cleveland Brown.